You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Hey everybody, how's it going? Happy Monday. I know this podcast is getting released really late. Um, I had some things come up last night and I wasn't able to uh, get uh, you know, a podcast recorded. Uh, it's funny how uh, two little kids with no self-control can uh, change your schedule. However, I'm here. It's late. I got one out. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am excited for the next couple uh, the next couple weeks coming my way. Uh, today is just a very short, um, very kind of catching you guys up on what I'm seeing from the timber so far this year. Um, pretty much the same as every year, but uh, just excited. I'm going to walk through my plans for the upcoming vacation uh, that I have. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit w- about what I've seen from the stand so far and then some uh, some struggles that I've had as well. And uh, there's no guests. It's just me t- chit-chatting. I'm going to keep it short because uh, I got some stuff I need to get done and uh, I'll be releasing some other uh, podcasts later this week that you guys should keep an eye out for but uh, I just want to real quick thank our sponsors Deer Lab and Exodus Trail Cameras um, and just let you guys know that if you get the opportunity take advantage of the discounts that uh, are being offered with some of these sponsors um, Exodus Trail Cameras if you enter the code 9fingers when you uh, you know go to make a purchase you'll you'll receive $20 off of your order um, and then with Deer Lab if you go to Deer Lab backslash 9fingers you will get a th- 30-day free trial period as opposed to, I think, a 10- or 15-day trial period. So just because you're listeners, you're going to get a bigger and more, I guess, uh, a bigger trial period. And I'll tell you what, if you – that combination for me really works. Um, I've already told you a little bit about how the Exodus trail cameras haven't missed yet. And uh, – I, I take those pictures, I'm uploading them to my deer lab, and uh, it's helping me pattern deer movement on some of the properties that I hunt. So there's that. Now, it is, I'm recording this, and it's the 24th of October, right? So um, that, that slow time, that slow period is, is kind of coming to an end, and I can tell you right now that I'm not a, a, a huge believer in the October lull. All right. I just feel that there are different um, extrinsic motivators. I hopefully I said that right without sound like a d bag that are keeping the deer movement to you know that's keeping the deer moving after dark. A lot of that has to do, in my opinion, and especially where I hunt, is farming. 
right? So a lot of these farmers are in the fields all day long. They're harvesting and the deer are just held up in the timber until, you know, after dark, after they stop combining, then they'll come out to the same fields. You know, they'll eat what's left on the ground. Um, we also have changing food sources, which kind of can contribute to that. Um, I know I had a trail camera on one of my farms and this weekend I decided to hunt a travel corridor between bedding and a food source. So what happened was they combined this, um, they combined this, this food source and, uh, in between of me and the food source was a staging area. So these deer would all come into this kind of really high grassy wet area and they would hold up until right at last light. Then they'd all start coming out into this field. And, uh, so with that, uh, you know, with those crops being out, I decided to come on the backside of that staging area and try to catch them coming through this little, this little pinch point. And, uh, nothing came through that night. And I was kind of wondering to myself why. So I went over to the cornfield. Well, what they've done since the time that I saw them combine it and the time that I went to investigate why maybe they weren't hitting this food source was because they had plowed the egg. So they had turned it up. All that corn is now underneath the dirt, and it's very hard for them to get to that. Now, my trail camera, uh, my trail camera showed that. So they came through with a tractor. They, you know, they plowed and dissed. And then the deer movement stopped because it's no longer an easy food source, especially when there's a lot of uh, leafy greens. Um, there's some acorns. Um, the property that I hunt, uh, the acorn crop this year was a lot lower than previous years. Um, and I think that has something to do with it as well. So they're hitting other ag fields. Now, the the other night, this particular, this particular weekend, this last weekend, I had been... I had been hunting um, this picked bean field, uh, and it was next to kind of like this marshy area um, that's surrounded by cattle pasture. And, you know, a lot of people think, hey, you hunt Iowa, there's land, land of the giants. And that, in some cases, is true. But I have to go through the struggles of not only sharing property with other hunters, but also you know, hunting in an active farm environment. So I, here's kind of a quick overview of, of my Friday night hunt. And it was, I set up in this, uh, set up in the tree. I'm, uh, it's basically an observation stand and I'm there to, you know, potentially kill a doe or, you know, or see some movement from far away. And I can see a long ways from this particular stand. I can see into this little marsh area and I can see into this, uh, you know, I can see down these bean fields through an opening into another bean field and I'm set up. Right. And all of a sudden I see three does and it's like three or four o'clock in the afternoon, real early movement for this time of year, working their way right towards me. And what happened was I think a combine started in the field to the north of me and they started and that may have bumped a couple of deer. They weren't scared. They were just kind of walking away from the sound. They went into this bedding area and they didn't come out. Now, I'd say about 10, 15 minutes passed and what we had was uh, three does came out of 
this, it's not necessarily a bedding area, but it's pretty thick. Uh, there's a two track uh, for four wheelers and other farm equipment that kind of runs through it. It's a travel corridor from another bedding area to some ag to the uh, southeast of me. And these three does came through and it was still kind of early. And I was like, man, did something bump them? Uh, the one doe keeps looking behind her, keeps looking behind her. And I think this is just my best guess that this particular doe, and she was with two other younger does, was one of the first deer to come into estrus. And she had been in this area in about, I don't know, I, I, I don't see a lot of this in the timber, but she was walking down the field edge and this doe actually worked a scrape. So she licked the branch. She pawed the, you know, pawed the scrape, and she peed in it. And to me, I've seen that a couple other times, and that is is a big hint that this doe could potentially be in, in estrus. So I look over behind me, and uh, sure enough, I start hearing some grunting. And then it just kind of stops. I hear, a, like, a tree getting murdered. Um, raking uh, this tree and I'm just waiting for this buck to step out you know I'm like okay well if this is one of the first does that sounded like a really mature buck grunt hopefully this is a this is a big mature buck that's going to come out of this uh, strip of timber and you know because they're the first doe in the heat probably gets the first buck the first most dominant buck so I'm waiting I'm waiting while that's happening I hear another set of grunts coming from uh in front of me in this another little strip of timber that it's basically a fence line that borders this marsh and this bean field and the does had worked their way into the timber but the way the wind was blowing the uh that the buck that was in this fence line would not have or would, would not have gotten their scent until the deer the doe was already in the timber so he may not know so i hear like a scrape right it sounded like a scrape in this grass just like some thrashing and stuff i'm like oh my god i got two bucks that are working their way right towards me and i'm i'm standing i'm standing up i got my bow in my hand my seat's up and i'm just waiting for this uh this buck behind me to pop out because that grunt sounded the uh closest and right as I'm starting to see some kind of movement in uh, behind me and it's still it's like prime time by this time it's like uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock I hear bing ding 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 and a farmer starts chainsawing probably about 200, 300 yards and he works his way he's working a, he's in a pasture where th that he's just going to start getting uh, cattle into uh, for the fall and he's cutting all these trees that have fallen down over his fence line, and he's pulling the fence back up so the cows can't get out. And there goes that hunt. I, he worked this fence line all the way up to probably about 50 yards from my tree stand, and uh, then he worked his way back. And after that, all the deer movement was probably mm, 300, 400 yards away from me. So two things happened. I know this is a lot of me talking, but two things happened that um, I saw. I saw some really good deer movement coming out of this marsh. Um, I also saw how 
while this guy's chainsawing on the opposite side of this field, the 200, 300 yards away from me, these there was deer feeding in this field. And I think that they are so used to it of, you know, the combining, the tractors, the chainsawing, you know, the active farming that they're not, uh, you know, they're not spooked too much by it. Now, as this guy kept getting closer and closer to me, some deer, you know, they paid attention and they just stepped into the timber. They didn't run away, but they stepped back into the timber. And I think for me, if I see a combine, I'm not going to hunt or in this particular area. Of course, if I see a guy cutting trees, I might not hunt in that particular area when I think maybe it's something that I am overlooking. Um, Now, maybe this works, maybe it doesn't with some mature bucks, but, you know, I've heard of farmers talking to me while they're combining or they're plowing a field where they will look into, you know, a little marshy area or some tall grass and they'll see a mature buck not move while the tractor goes by they probably can't see the tractor from the grass the tall grass that they're bedding in but these uh but the you know the farmer's obviously sitting high above and can see down into 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 that uh, tall area and he's like man they just he just didn't move so i've heard several stories about that it's something that you know it's one of those things where if I have to go hunt in an area where there's a lot of activity and maybe that buck won't move till last light or an area where there's no activity and my, my chances are, are higher seeing a deer move into, uh, um, you know, a, a food source, then I probably will go hunt the lower pressured area. So there's that. Let's see. Now, my vacation this year is from... I'm taking off November 1st all the way until November 16th. And uh, so that gives me 16 days to try to make something happen. Um, I'm also getting this weekend um, to to go hunting. I'm not sure if I'm going to go down to my main farm or stick around closer to the house yet. But one thing that I'm definitely going to be looking for is, you know, and it all depends on the wind direction, but I'm going to be focusing on doe bedding areas. Because it's this time of year where these big boys, especially after this cold front that's going to be coming through where I'm hunting, these these big boys are going to be, you know, maybe making some extra stops either going to or coming from uh, a food source. So they're going to be maybe working some scrapes. They're going to be scent checking um, the downwind side of some of these bedding areas on the way to, uh, you know, some of these field these fields. And um, that. I like this time of year to try to get to the downwind side of some of these bedding areas and try to put myself in a position where if a big mature buck is coming through to scent check early, you know, I might be able to uh, get on, you know, get on a buck before he finds the first available doe that's breeding. And then that, after that, that's kind of when that, that chaos of the rut hits and, uh, We've talked about that on the Wired to Hunt podcast, but uh, it's kind of chaotic and, um, you know, a buck might not come back into that area or even show up until he's done breeding that doe. So I like to get into the timber. I like to be downwind of some of these bedding areas and hopefully um, in some of those areas you, you can, especially if you're doing a run and gun, you might be able to find some scrapes or some rubs and that might be a telltale sign of some activity that's happening on the downwind side of these bedding areas and that'd be uh, a good place to at least start 
to, you know, to a good place to start your, you know, the chess match. That is the rut. And uh, I think uh, if you put in your time on some of these locations like a pinch point or the downwind of a, a known active doe bedding area, I think I think you're going to have success. Um, for me, the three, especially in the rut, uh, in pre-rut, the, the three, I think there's three, there's a couple main places that I like to focus. One of them is the downwind side of a bedding area. The other one is pinch points. And that's where everything kind of funnels down and then maybe open opens up. So a, a perfect example of maybe a, there's a couple examples of pinch points. So here's two that I hunt um, be just because I'm familiar with them. The first one is, let's say you have a chunk of timber on, let's say to the west, and then you have another chunk of timber to the east. And there is an overgrown fence line that can be a travel corridor and a pinch point. So these deer still feel comfortable um, with a little bit of cover traveling back and forth um, between these two these two uh, sections of timber. And it, it's hard to, it's hard to say this isn't you know this isn't a go to sit for maybe every uh, hunter out there, but it's definitely something to look at. You know these deer aren't just sticking into the timber they're they're crossing in low spots and fields they're crossing um, on some of these these fence lines that may may be overgrown and connecting um, so look for the sign there i mean the the sign should be popping up if there are in fact bucks in in the area that you're hunting the second one um, that i'm really excited to hunt this year and i have hunted in, in previous years is let's say there is a field with a fence uh, and it's a it's a corner of a field and then further down on let's say it, it goes downhill and there's a bend in a river or a creek and the deer don't want to expose themselves in the field and they don't want to cross the creek because it may be deep and it's a bend they all filter through that strip of timber um, that's that's kind of an example of what I hunt and uh, I've had trail cameras there over the years that have really caught a lot of movement especially during the rut you you hunt that on a let's say that it's a it's a west east type of scenario again you can hunt that on a north wind or you can hunt that on a straight south wind and uh, the only thing you really have to be careful with is if you're accessing it from the south in my in my scenario then all your scent is blowing in there during your access and it's a risk that i'm willing to take because my stand location is higher than where the deer are and it's a pinch point so the deer have to be in that pinch point as i'm walking in but once i get there i have the advantage so that's a risk reward type of scenario um i'm going to keep an eye out for the sign um, these first couple weeks and uh one thing that i've noticed over the years is sign will dry up let's say the fourth, fifth, sixth, as these, you know, the first does are coming into heat um, and they, the bucks stop making sign because they're actively chasing does or they are, or they're actually in a lockdown phase where they're breeding a doe. And then as these first groups of does start to get, you know, because, you know, they, they've been bred, so they're not in estrus anymore. Then that 
then that scrapes will open up again. Then there will be a lot more activity again until they find that next group of does. And this, for me, on, on the farms that I hunt, you know, and I can only give you experience from the, the deer that I'm hunting in the areas that I've hunted, but this seems to be somewhere around the, the fifth excuse me, the 5th, 6th, 7th, somewhere around there is when it kind of slows down and then it pops up again. And all the, the after that first wave of does becoming bred, then the sign opens up. So I like to have my trail cameras on uh, some of those spots where, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity and then you can kind of see, okay, hey, this, this area is dead. So that tells me two things. I got to go back to a doe bedding area because these scrapes are not active. Or if they are active and I'm seeing a lot of sign pop up, it might be a good place to hunt, you know, hang over a, a scrape or hang over um, an active a travel corridor or pinch point. So uh, let's see, I'm just talking and talking and talking. This is kind of awkward without a guest, but uh, I wanted to make sure I got a podcast out today. Hopefully you guys are, uh, you got all your gear set, your bows set up, you know, you've checked all your gear. Um, to make sure it's safe and uh, working functionally uh, because that is that's the most important part of all this you know if your gear doesn't pr- perform then you're not performing at all um, <laughs> it's funny I just got an email from a guy today who this weekend was coming down out of his tree stand and uh, he stepped off the bottom step of his of his stick he got his wedding ring a metal wedding ring caught in the tree stand and it basically peeled his finger off of his bone so now he is a true member of the nine-fingered nation and uh it sucks i know what he's going through but uh guys take your wedding ring off put it in your ashtray of your truck or leave it at home on your bathroom sink it's something very simple but whenever I had my wedding ring on, I was getting it caught all the time and, and not like really hurt, but just kind of a, a, a tweak. And I'd be like, man, Hey, so I just started taking it off. Now I wear one of those rubber rings and, uh, those work fine too. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, wear your damn safety harness, right guys. I'm just, you know, I've already heard guys, falling out of trees this year um someone was telling me uh their neighbor he was setting up a tree stand he drove his four-wheeler up on this tree uh two track and he heard somebody yelling help help so he he jumps the fence onto his neighbor's property and there's his neighbor who had had a ladder stand and he went to go the the ladder stand fell backwards because he was climbing it to go attach it and I haven't used a ladder stand in so long, so I don't know how this happened, but it fell over backwards and he went to go put his, I think right leg back and it hyper extended his leg. And he said, when he got there, his boot was by his hip. So imagine, imagine your leg, your knee bending the opposite way that that would hurt like a son of a bitch. So be smart when you are climbing up into your tree stand or moving tree stands. Uh, Remember, there's other hunters out there too, so be careful for other hunters. Uh, Some of you guys are going to be hunting during gun season, 
uh, be safe on that. Uh, I have I have a list of notes here of all these things that I wanted to cover, but uh, now I'm just rambling. But I think that's okay. Let's see now. What else? What else? All right. Another thing. Check in with your wife. Like for me, I'm going to be gone for a week. I got two kids. Uh, yes, I'm going to be hunting very, very hard. But take five minutes. Uh, call your wife. Check in with a loved one. Um, and for some reason, if you are single without a lady or a man or whatever it is that you want to do, <laughs> um, uh, congratulations for living the perfect life. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, just everything that you guys know about hunting is boiled down to these next three or four weeks. Hunt hard, be smart, and don't get lazy because I feel that laziness saves more deer than any other missed shot or missed opportunity there is. For me, I've suffered from it in the past. You you know where you need to be, but you're so tired and, and you may have to tear down and set up a tree stand in the the dark. But if you do this, that equals meat in your freezer or inches in the back of your truck, whatever you're, you know, some guys hunt for meat, some guys hunt for big racks. I don't care if you guys are lazy and you, and you know, you get tired and you're complacent and you're happy with where you've been for the last 25 years. That's fine. Don't expect the deer to not make a move because deer are not complacent deer will make a move and they don't take they don't take second chances they don't take first chances a lot of the times but because you know for me first time in best time in and if you miss an opportunity at some of these big mature bucks you will not get a second chance unless they're dumb and horny and uh, a doe does something that uh, pulls them back in but uh you know that's one thing that saved a lot of deer on my farms in the past is me just being tired, not wanting to move a stand when I really needed to. Um, it's only, I mean, just think of it kind of like a, a working boot camp. You're going to bust your ass for four weeks and then it's over. And I've never been in the military, so maybe a boot camp lasts longer than four weeks or a month or whatever. But make the moves, put in the hard work, and I'm not going to guarantee anything, but you I have a feeling you'll see better results if you just take the time and put in that effort up front. I think that's it. I think I'm done talking today, short and sweet. I hopefully all of you guys have a a great rut. Um, Hopefully you guys at least get to spend some time in the timber. You can, you know, you can trick your wife, say you're going into work, but really take vacation. You can uh, actually take vacation and, uh, you know, have some time set aside because this is the time of the year that we dream of. This is the time of the year where all the velvet, all the scouting, all the shed hunting, all the, you know, the summer prep for putting in those tree stands, playing those food plots. This is where it all comes together. Um, and again, guys, be safe out there and wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.